Welcome to the Future of Tourism podcast. I'm David Peacock. Stop owning your own content. Young leaders are stepping up. Bring everyone to the table. And imagine their world anew. Sustainability and regeneration initiatives are, by definition, activities that leave a lasting positive impact on places and people. They are also an opportunity for DMOs to build meaningful partnerships outside the cohort of the usual suspects. There are innovators from outside our industry who are certain that the destination organization is the key to unlocking the community alignment necessary for success. Edmar Luis Xavier Nato and Joel Marriott can read the writing on the wall. Edmar is the creator of the Strong Farm and Rural Shores Destination Program, a Canadian project focused on creating new paths for sustainable development to become a reality for families and businesses in communities in rural areas. Joel Marriott is an Indigenous entrepreneur from White Bear First Nations in Saskatchewan. He's a visionary and the founder of Top Carbon Capture, Inc., a construction technology company with a focus on industrial hemp building materials that are net zero. Both Edmar and Joel came to tourism because they see its potential to engage and align communities and visitors to create new, holistic, regenerative opportunities for places and people. Good morning, Edmar. How are you? Where are you? What's it like? Good morning, good morning, David. Thank you. Good morning, Joel. I'm here in Kimberley, Nova Scotia, uh, Canada, and it's a beautiful day outside. And I am very excited to be here today speaking to your podcast. Thank you. Well, it's great to see you again, Edmar. I know you've been crisscrossing the country. Joel, how about you? How are you? Where are you? What's it like? I'm doing good. I'm over in Richmond, BC, uh, but just got back from the States doing some uh, <laughs> import export. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been pretty exciting. And thank you for this morning. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you both here. Just before uh, we get into the details, of this let me tell everyone: um, one of my roles is, is to is to crisscross the country and pay attention to the world about what's going on. And I was really, really moved and impressed. Um, within about three months of each other, I met both of you, and I met you in really for what I believe, what I would say is almost unusual circumstances. We're at the Tourism Internet Tourism Industry Association of Canada conference in Ottawa, Edmar, I think that was November. And you were asked to speak on your project, Strong Farmer Rural Shores. And you blew me away. I mean, what you talked about was fantastic. But the funniest thing you said when you're up there, just so everybody knows this, this is my first formal presentation in English in my life. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was a bit nervous that time. <laughs> well, you, you totally nailed it. And then Joel, um, it's funny, I, you know, about three months later, I'm in Victoria for the Impact Conference, and you were one of the guest speakers on on specifically the net zero work of Top Carbon. And I mean, to to draw a line between the two of you, I almost couldn't type fast enough to say, Edmar, you got to meet Joel. Joel, you got to meet Edmar. So that's, that's where I meet you both. But what really hit me, we're going to talk about this in, in a minute or two is you both have such incredible confidence in tourism being a lever that can help us unlock regenerative and sustainable destinations. And I think that's a message 
in this industry, we really need to hear. We need to be reminded of our strengths so that we can get to work on this. So I'm going to go to you, Joel, first. Your, your history is one of sustainable development. And when I say that, I mean it in its holistic sense, um, you know, social, economic, and environmental. You've been working in charity with First Nations uh, as far back as your CV goes. You've been trying to empower places and people. What I want to talk to the to about today is top though, and that's probably what you're doing in the states. I know you've acquired a facility down there to manufacture uh, net zero uh, building material. Well, what, I'll tell you what. Why don't you tell us? Give us a top line on top. All right. So my name is Joel Merritt. Um, my partner is Mary Mason. She's not here today, um, and we're the co-founders of Top Carbon Capture Incorporated. Uh, we're a net zero building manufacturing company built out of hemp, powered by hemp. So. We're currently in the process of building up our uh, Nelson property. Uh, we have nine acres out on a, Melsa, on a mountaintop in Nelson. And our goal was to turn that into a destination. Um, our goal was to create connections between uh, 60 scoop people, uh, people that are from urban uh, indigenous communities. And then we start connecting them and building a, com uh, a place for everyone to gather. So that was what the Nelson property was supposed to be. So hang on, let's let's educate the listener a little bit. Sixty scoop. It's it's a particularly Canadian term. Uh, please explain to the listener what we're talking about there, please. So the sixty scoop is um, part of what the Canadian government did to the indigenous communities back in 1960 to 1980. Um, I'm was from 1981, and what they did is they took indigenous kids from their families and then. Uh, put them into new houses and non-Indigenous families. And so by taking the Indigenous out of them, they were creating a new person and getting rid of the traditional Indigenous communities. Um, and so I am one of those uh, that kind of got through and have now decided to start helping by returning to my land and giving opportunities by continuing what I'm doing right now. Well, Joel, for a start, I thank you for that. And the reconciliation piece is so important and so awkward and so ungainly, and we and we have to deal with it. But I'm that really does inform your whole ethos. I mean, you've got um, sort of a, a many generations perspective on sustainability, and you come by it naturally, obviously through your heritage. But you've been driving that. You've been trying to build communities that, from the ground up look at a regenerative uh, opportunity. And then when we talk again, when I talk to you, you talk to me about sustainability and it's always social, economic and environmental, all three at once. All right, let's jump to Brazil. Okay, so born and raised on farms in Brazil, and we're talking large scale farms, your experiences range from sustainable biomass and methane energy to the social welfare of community groups and the building and the building of networks of, of communities and stakeholders. Um, you've dedicated your life to creating sustainable development tools in your own words, dedicated to creating sustainable development tools to help people foster regenerative strategies for business communities and the planet. Okay. Edmar, <laughs> tell us about EXA. What are you doing here in Canada? How long have you been here and what are you up to? Uh, I came to Canada in 2018 to learn English, but then this country called my attention and now I call this country as home. I have uh, two beautiful kids, my wife, and everything happening here in Canada. <laughs> uh, Exa Group Canada, it's a, uh, uh, I can say it is like a, an initiative 
to to develop sustainability uh, worldwide. We created the Exa Group Canada business plan in 2020 in, in Ontario to to bring uh, risk management concepts to our our industry and start a new conversation about uh, risk contingency and management to avoid stoppage like we had in 2020. And then I, I migrated my startup to Nova Scotia. We start to, to work with some farms here. And last year, I, I started a research in, in Eastern Shore of Nova Scotia. It's a, approximately 70 communities with 23,000 people living. Then this program called the attention of the Tourism Industry Association of Canada. They invited us to participate at the RED program. I have been traveling across Canada since November 2022, uh, researching gaps, challenges, uh, needs, bottlenecks of rural indigenous and remote communities. Uh, we we do uh, regular services like uh, business plan, uh, marketing plan, marketing management, project management, but our main service is uh, create solutions for rural uh, areas, rural communities. It's really important for us to look for a new way to create economics in, in our mean. And it's time to what our areas have some voice to share uh, its importance uh, word I. If we need look solutions for the economy, we need link tourism to what our areas to bring this sustainability to our community. So. Okay, so that's 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 the part where you two intersect. So Edmar, when I first saw you speak, you presented um, actually an entire model for a thing called strong farm and rural destination it was a self-sufficient biomass driven energy uh, project for farming that created a circular use of resources joel you sort of hit me with the same thing you were talking about building the center in is it nelson mm -hmm. yeah and there's a, there's a thing in circular there that i just want to underline here circular doesn't just mean, wow, cool, hemp's low carbon, we're using that. Circular actually means a real inclusion of all sorts of other materials that that have a, just talk to us a little bit about circular building practices, because that is at the core of top, isn't it? Yeah. So um, we start from seed all the way to harvest. So we start off planting the seed, uh, we grow the hemp, and during that process, our goal is to clean the soil and do land rege regeneration. Um, that's a big product and a big problem over on uh, different reserves because there has been so much damage that's been gone to the soil around us. So we can't actually grow our stuff. So we go from seed to growth up to the seed again, which gives us our biofuel, and that gives us the ability to create energy. That is going to go um, back into the raw stock that we turn into building blocks. And so we're not only using our own raw materials, we've now partnered up with a bunch of different organizations in the state. Uh, one is uh, U.S. Freedom Farms and uh, the Veterans Alliance. So they grow hemp down in the States and they're going to be one of our suppliers for our materials. So we're going to build blocks out of hemp, lime and water and a few aggregates. Um, and the process is to try to create a net zero build. So it's all the way from seed to build. And you've got multiple different levels of carbon credit, carbon capture throughout the whole process. And that's our circular economy. Okay. Uh, so once we build the homes, the biofuels go in to heat the homes. 
So that one plant is actually building the blocks and the heating source and the energy that's put together. And, and right now, really, there's sort of two places to doing it. One in Canada that you started and the one in the U.S. that you're just you're in the process of acquiring or have acquired down in Arizona, right? Yeah. So we've taken on uh, uh, control of the facility in November and are just getting ready to launch this year. Um, we're working with the Freedom Farms to get all our products up there. And we're building some specific materials for them right now, which is patio stones. And uh, that'll be an outside product that they're working on with some of their veterans. Fantastic. Edmar, you can you can see the overlap and why I got so excited when I ran into Joel, because Strong Farms really was a, a self-contained circular farm concept. And I, I know you're doing a lot of work with the government of Canada now and a lot of consulting projects, but Strong Farms is the thing that caught my attention. Really briefly, give us Strong Farms. Uh, th that prototype we showed at the Congress, the Tourism Congress last year in Ottawa, it's adaptable to different scenarios and we can have different solutions uh, through uh, using sustainability concepts to create eco-villages uh, worldwide. Uh, we, we use it containers because our, our focus at that time was to develop this, this prototype in the Arctic. Uh, in the territories north in Canada. And then we created everything to use day waste and containers. It's a biggest tools in, in the Arctic of Canada because it's going to be uh, always uh, a waste. And our idea was to create a container farm to, to plant high nutritional foods and be a port for nutritional apart for 300 people per community. We use like 15 old containers. Uh, we renovated it and transformed it into farms. And then we use two other different containers to create the poor efficiency of the plant, of this container farm. One is for uh, animal manure. That is just a few animals at this place. And then we use a few manure to, to, bio, to create the biogas at this container. This container uh, will climate the container for the human faces and uh, our sorry, sorry, hang on. <laughs> human human and animal contributions yeah yeah okay got it we we usually call it as poop power <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't know i i think i think joel's you know built by hemp powered by hemp plays a little better than poop power but hey i'm open to suggestion okay okay hang on you guys it, are, you guys, go ahead it's it's always ways to to do the transitioning from fossil fuels to green energy we can use uh, different materials. The, the important thing is acting for this transition to happen faster, no? So, okay. And that's 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 where this conversation turns. So um, thank you for both of you sharing your stories. You're leading in your fields. It was remarkable to watch you both. You weren't selected as speakers to those events because you're unremarkable. But I got a big question for you both. I mean... I work in the sector and I am really proud of what we can accomplish. And I think tourism done well, um, the authentic sharing of people and places, the care for places is probably the absolute opposite award. I think it's one of the highest callings. But in this industry, we are just getting our footing on sustainability and regeneration. And I will tell you, being at Impact or even being at TIAC, you can see that the industry is so ready. They recognize the importance of this imperative. They recognize that there is no future without sustainability, tourism, or otherwise. So we've got to get on it. But we, we're kind of stumbling to get started. We've got a lot of 
assessments going on. The pandemic vaulted sustainability to the front of our awareness. There's a lot of assessments going on. Are we sustainable? What's our use, et cetera? But we worry that we're not well equipped. How are we going to do this? What's our role and function in our communities? You guys don't see that. You both end up on tourism's doorstep saying, wow, this is the one organization structure, the destination organization that I can work with. How? Explain that to me. Explain that to our peers who really need to understand just how much power you see us having. Because I agree. And when you when you explain it to me, I agree as well. We have lots of skills to help move this forward. But why tourism? I'm, I'm going to start with you, Joel. Why? Why did you pick tourism? Because um, in growing and building throughout the fields to getting all the way into the materials and then building up from the ground up, um, we wanted to make it so that it was a circular economy that required no emissions, lower emissions for everybody. And so when we looked at our heating system, it was going to be a in-house, in-the-walls built heating system that requires no fuel being burnt, but just heated up and warmed through heating pumps and then circulated throughout the house. And then I thought on a larger scale, how is that going to benefit and create community around there? So we thought about how to utilize our materials on a mass scale and be able to offer that as a destination. Because a lot of people are looking for net zero materials, but the cost is so astronomical right now. So cost of timber is super high, cost of steel and concrete is super high, and we wanted to make it an affordability side. So we maintained our facility into a very affordable material. So it's by the brick, it's done um, the same as a cinder block. Uh, we have different uh, additives that are gonna work into it to create a very compact block that will give you the stability that you need for um, sustain, not just sustainability, but the size and the build that you're trying to accomplish. This, so you can scale, you can scale for yeah. sure on this one. But, but why tourism? Why, what did you see as the strength in this industry that could help? Is it, is it, is that it? Is the fact that it helps move the whole thing forward? Like, what's our strength? Um, I think that the option is the fast, the ability to be able to grow fast. Um, a lot of destinations, are now looking like, especially in the indigenous communities, we're looking at an option of trying to build up our uh, indigenous tourism association. But a lot of the issues that we're running into this year was that there wasn't a lot of funding put into it. So a lot of nations aren't able to keep building as much as they wanted to this year. So we decided if we're able to connect with the right people, then our affordability of our materials should help them. Uh, change from the alternative of being cement and concrete back into a net zero material. Okay, so hang on, part of the solution. Oh, very good. Okay, I'm going to switch over to you, Admar. You come from far away. Um, you come from Brazil, a, a wonderful place, and, and I, I remember it really fondly. Um, mass farming culture here. You come to Canada, you state your life's ambition is to create sustainability tool. But then again, why tourism what do you see there what's the magic piece that we have that makes it so attractive to you or so necessary to your vision uh i think i was born with tourism in my heart <laughs> because I, I, uh, I know myself and i was chilled uh, tourism is part of my life and i dedicated all my my academic uh, pathway all my professional life to create links between tourism and other economic activities. 
Because I know tourism is a powerful tool for sustainable development. We have 17 sustainable development goals to achieve in 2030. And when I speak to people about it, most part, most part of the people, they don't know about the 2030 agenda, but they are traveling. No, and they are not just traveling domestically, they are going uh, overseas and they, they don't understand about sustainability yet. And when we look back to, to all the agreements we have in the international system, from, from uh, close to us, like in 1992, Rio Conference, uh, Kyoto Protocol, and then uh, all these uh, international guidelines, all these international agendas, they, they were not achieved. Mm -hmm. and, and why? So something was wrong in the middle of the way. But now if we look tourism uh, as a tool to fill these gaps that the, the market the, uh, offered to us, you can create these bridges between agriculture, between construction, between real estate, between gastronomy, between uh, farming, between different other economic sectors uh, that we live every day. We just need to, to start to think in, in new ways to, to bring economic development to our communities because this pathway we are living in, it is going to be collapsed in a few years if we do nothing right now. Fantastic, great articulation. Joel, over to you then. The best destinations are the result of engaged communities. The most sustainable destinations, the regenerative ones, will be the result of engaged communities that are actively involved. You can't do this one person or 10 people. It's got to be a community, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of it is uh, the direction because we, we build materials, but the direction is going to have to come from the communities so that we can help flesh out the idea of what they're trying to create. And the best part about what we do is that we have as many connections as we can to help kind of guide where they want to go. Um, a lot of this has been a really exciting for us because being able to get into tourism has been one of our one of our goals for the last little while. And we bounced into travel, we bounced into destinations, and now we're like we've realized that this is the way that we would be able to help other communities reach their goals in their future. Okay, so Edmar, are you seeing then that the, the alignment? So one of the basis of both your plans is the idea of engaging a wide swath of stakeholders to actively participate in something that honestly they're paying attention to. They're just not sure where to start. And I'm not just talking about destination organization. I'm talking about stakeholders in market, um, producers, um, restaurateurs, accommodations, attractions, retailers who all want to be part of this space. Big part of tourism's challenge post-COVID is creating those networks do you see that is that the network piece that you say well that completely overlines with our necessity and sustainability we need to create these networks yes for sure it's it's with people that we can be strong to change situations no and i i have been speaking with joel for for a few months no joel yeah and we our work has a a beautiful alignment to to deliver solutions across canada with all these travels I did for, for TIAC research in these, these communities, uh, I have been seeing a, a huge issue, not just with accommodation, but with housing. Mm -hmm. And when housing has issues, accommodation suffer with the impact and all the tourism industry. 
And then Joel is bringing these solutions with uh, a wonderful technology that transitioning from, from fossil fuels to, to a green uh, construction base easily. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so good that it's, it's cheaper, practical, and sustainable. <laughs> no, there is thermal properties and for, for Canada, in communities like Hay River in Northwest it was an example I, I will do right now. I went there, they had a flood in, in May 2022. This flood destroyed all houses around the river. And then they they needed to rent the the tourist accommodations to, to live in. And the, uh, last year was the first year that Northwest State was opening the board for tourism after COVID-19 hit Canada. Mm -hmm. And imagine the negative impact on tourism industry uh, because of solutions re related to housing. Mm -hmm. And this technology Joel uh, built and is developing, it's really important because they don't need to, to cut trees uh, to build these homes. They can use uh, uh, hemp crack to, to support it and the hemp oil to to transitioning from from the, the the energy that comes through the house in art we are talking about diesel imagine it's 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 unbelievable no yeah so it, it's good that you say that and a couple of your peers were on the radio today Edmar um Tayak um uh, the tour, head of tourism HR Canada was talking and the head of um tourism industry association of Ontario number one crisis uh, generally acknowledged across the board in tourism in Canada right now is a completely um, fragmented workforce with real difficulty returning people to positions that due to the nature of, of you know, restricted travel have been, have been less, they're, they're talking about frontline accommodation jobs being less stable because they're on demand in some sense, they're not continuous employment. So in there though, one of the subsets of that discussion was a breakout on the idea that one of the, two of the primary problems pr facing employment is accommodation and transportation both of them completely related to energy and building. So, so you're, you're bang on on that front. Um, what's next, guys? What do we need to do next as destination organizations to uh, embrace our role, to make these things happen faster? And, and from, you know, from the perspective of what we need to do or what you need us to do, open discussion here. Um, throw to you first, Joel. Um, I think that a lot of the work that could be done over the next little while would be collaboration. Um, there's a lot of needs and a lot of stuff that can be put together just by having open communication about what your needs are and what we can do to help fill that. Um, for me personally, a lot of this has been learning, 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 and I have kept my head down, but learning around what you guys have in each community, what, what the needs are and how we can facilitate the growth in those communities just by the collaborations. Um, so I, I would be very open to any open conversations about kind of what the needs are there because I'm focused on Canada, fires with mold and pests, and that's kind of like why hempcrete is such a strong material is because sure. it's fire resistant, mold resistant, and pest resistant, and they're super strong. So for us, that was kind of why if those are an issue in any of those communities that are looking for net zero building materials, that will be one of the next ones that would be able to work for you. Excellent. Edmar, same question to you. What is it we need to do next? 
Uh, I, I'm always acting. Uh, I cannot stop the word claims on. Uh, I, I really here in Canada, uh, our intention in, in start all this conversation with uh, top carbon capture, it's to deliver together solutions for communities. I have been traveling uh, for this TIAC program uh, in 2022-2023. We we are developing as well an international event on multilateral cooperation in tourism law and sustainability. To, to bring more people to speak about the same kind of development we are creating here in Canada. It's really important for us to, to focus on the goal 17 and create strong partnership, not, not just uh, inside our own country, but uh, choose underdeveloped and sub-developing uh, countries. So you're, you're, you are running a tourism sustainability and economic conference in Brazil this year, aren't you? Yes, with the order of attorneys of Brazil, that is our Brazilian Bar Association and the University of Southern Santa Catarina. When is that? Florianópolis, Santa Catarina. Oh, sorry, when? When is the when is the event? Sep September twenty-five to twenty-eight. Two days of workshops and two days of conference, and we will work in a document uh, to deliver it to the United Nations World Tourism Organization in two thousand twenty-four. It's our post event. Uh, action we want to to be together at this event and then create a document a guideline to share with night nations and tell them okay we are here uh, a popular uh, initiative to bring you solution okay. uh, to create new policies for rural development super okay do me a favor Okay. When you're there, when you're there and you're speaking uh, on the first day, I need you to say to them, I want you to understand this is my first speech in Brazilian in quite some time. It's sorry, Portuguese in so quite some time. <laughs> okay, for sure. <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> All right. Joel, what's next for you? What are you doing? Um, we're on the plans of coming down and starting our facility, getting full run. Uh, we have our first pilot project is going to generate six houses. Uh, we're going to do two in the States two to Vancouver Island, and then two to Nelson, BC. Uh, each is just for climate control and to find out the difference of the materials and see how they stand up. Um, and just a lot of testing. Uh, we're doing uh, our ICCES testing this year, and we're just getting ready to get off the ground. That's excellent. Edmar, Joel. Oh, I have a question. <laughs> oh, look at that, hand raised. Yeah. I've never seen that before. <laughs> uh, can I do a question, Joel? For sure. Okay, that is a space for this uh, container farming be part of your development here in Canada? I think so. I think that some of the conversations that we have with different communities um, and the needs for the communities, um, there is food security that needs to be done. There's uh, operations for each of the communities to be able to generate their own food security. Because if you think about how many nations are across Canada within a nation, it's absolutely astronomical. And we still have issues with water. We still have issues with power and internet and being able to start with food may be one of those keys that we start working into. And maybe that's one of the first stepping stones into safe, uh, safe sustainability for the communities because food is the first key. Yeah, I totally okay. agree. So, so both of you, I hear, I hear loud and clear, open, open for business and ready to work, work cooperatively, Canada, U.S. and elsewhere in the world. Um, what, 
what what would it take to have a, a demonstration success in the next two years of a small eco village built on a combination of strong farms sort of uh, um, structure and um, uh, top building infrastructure? What do you think? What what would it take? How what would we need to get together? Who do we need in the room? I personally think that right off the bat, um, we have all the land, we have the materials, we have your company and your organization that specializes in the farming. I think that we maybe need investment um, to get that off the ground and then partnerships because sometimes the destinations have a larger network than what we can create on our own. And with the Nelson plot, plan and uh, land plot that we have out there, that's one of the goals is to be able to create a sustainable destination for that area so that we would be able to keep that going and use that as a stepping stone to keep going across Canada. Okay. Uh, and are, you having, are, are you having those discussions at the province and, and the district level, Joel? Uh, so we're talking with the Nelson right now and the Chamber of Commerce. So we talked with Tanya Finley from the BC Chamber of Commerce. She does uh, some work with Indigenous uh, writing for policy and for other work. And so we're talking with her right now. She actually sits on the uh, Chamber of Commerce in the city and has a really good working uh, working relationship with them. So we have been really working on that. And so having all these different things, uh, I think that over the next year, this will be up and running. Super. Edmar, you're going to say, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And Nelson, it's important just to put a note. Nelson is part of the an important immigration program here in Canada. The Hural uh, pilot immigration program. Oh, this cool. idea, yeah, this idea to to link strong farm and top carbon capture to deliver this destination uh, eco village. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a wonderful initiative that can be replied in now Canada. Okay, um, <laughs> we're going to roll it out. We're hitting about thirty uh, minute mark. I'm going to give you okay. final comments, Edmar. Uh, you're speaking to probably 900 destinations worldwide. Um, parting thoughts, um, ideas, things to share, things to motivate. What do you got? Okay. Uh, for a long time, uh, rural areas uh, was uh, in need to, to achieve new economic pathways, principally because people look at just to the cities, metropolis, and a, a different way to, to look for tourism. And now, with the impact of COVID-19 and all other impacts around the world that has changed our economy model, uh, it's really important to look for rural areas because we can deliver uh, solutions faster for the regeneration of the planet and to create uh, authentic opportunities for tourism experience. Uh, it's, for, for us, it's really, really in need to create partnerships uh, not just here in Canada, but worldwide, to talk more about policies, rural development policies. We have different international guidelines, principally for, from OECD, that we can follow and create these policies locally. It's really important to, to understand that each rural community have their own system, their own way of living, and we need to respect that. And also, we need to create policies to, for, for the production and well-being of these communities. Tourism, tourism will always be the best solution for sustainable development. 
and the best solution for other economic industries, transitioning for uh, a green economy, for the sustainable economy. And let's do it together. I want to invite you both, Joel, David, and everyone that is watching and listening this podcast to, to come with us and bring solutions for the planet together. So thank you for that. And I'm in, and I know so many other people who are, and that's the point of these podcasts is to bring together a critical mass of people who can make a difference. I want to, I want to touch on something you stressed there. You said the word rural about nine times. Is that part of the attraction of, of the process is I love working in rural economies because you can see changes, you can see differences, you can prove out things in a Petri dish like setting that you can then scale to the next part of it. And maybe that's part of the attraction of rural tourism, you know, tourism that brings resources into a rural destination and leaves the place better than it starts. It's very easy to measure and look at the delta and we can use that as we scale up. Is that is that the focus on rural? Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, it, it's really important we understand that everything we have in the cities come from a rural area. And if we understand that, we can understand the importance of this place on our economy you know, and our live as well. Very good. All right. Closing thoughts, Joel Marriott. It's, it's been a great pleasure to have you as a guest as well. I'm so glad you two guys met. Um, count me in on the team when you need resources. Call me. You know, this what we're going to do here is exciting. Uh, you're an exciting addition to this industry. I think you both remind us that we are well-placed to build the kind of networks that we need in these destinations. We are well-placed as really great uh, keepers of the narrative to help move the discussion forward. We need to find more innovators from outside, is my opinion, so that we can empower them inside. And then that will make us look at our own skill set. But final word to you, Joel Marriott, what do you have to share with the world? Um, just thank you. Um, honestly, looking at the opportunity for an Indigenous person like myself to be out here and talking to you guys uh, makes a huge difference uh, because what it is is it's a stepping stone for other Indigenous people to get into this business. Um, there's always somebody that'll lead the pack, but at the end of it, there's always a pack behind that lead. And so for us, having these conversations and being able to talk to that many destinations is going to be huge. Um, I just wanted to say I wanted to thank and think about all right, thank you, David and uh, Edmar, for this conversation. And um, I wanted to get you guys to think about what your footprint is going to be in the future. Because we're all talking about carbon credits. We're talking about all these different things. But in that building that you're going to put up next or that destination you're trying to think about, those stepping stones of where you're going to get to, that that's going to change your communities as you grow. And as a net zero building materials manufacturer, this has become one of those ideas and stepping stones for this is going to be huge for the next generation as well. And long lasting, there's still, here's one, here's a, here's an interesting fact. There's still one uh, bridge that's that was built by the Romans back when France was Gaul and it's from 500 AD and it's built out of hempcrete and it's still a tourism destination now. So, that, that, that's good that's just good marketing joel way to go um no i did read an interesting stat you just propped in my head on the weekend in the paper of a net new mid-rise high-rise building 60 percent of its carbon footprint in its entire life including the fossil fuels used to heat it the repairs the tar 60 percent of its carbon footprint exists in the concrete it was built with 
Yeah, no, you just you just you just made me re- remember that stat. Okay, guys, it's great. Um, let's let's figure out how to get something started in Canada with one of these with one of these projects on a on a big scale because this is really exciting. This is leading edge stuff. Um, let's have you back and talk about that. Um, you got all our attention. I'll include your uh, LinkedIn links on the um, on the podcast so people can get a hold of you. Thanks for being here. They, they, really great to meet you both um it keeps so many of us inspired to to be able to you know touch and work on things like this and remind us why we're here <laughs>